Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. This may be Peyton Jones. It may be Pete Mitchell, man. I'm telling you, I'm hurting this morning so bad. You are. We were talking you about how we can only do podcasts in the morning, and here we are in the morning, and I'm like, this, <laughs> no, this this isn't good. Yeah, it it's it's the time change, man. It it's is. totally the time change. It, because really, this is eight. This is actually... No, it's nine. This is eight o'clock a.m. And I know not to podcast with you until well after nine o'clock. <laughs> I know this. If I call you eight, you haven't pooped. You haven't finished your coffee. Like you may or may not have showered. I don't know. You could be walking around naked. Well, it's see, just not the time to talk to you. Here's the here was the tough thing for me this morning. So normally what happens on Monday morning is I wake up. I shower. I, I'm I am nothing without a, a morning shower. Those people who shower in the evening, I don't understand them. I don't get them. If I am not under it's hot the, water for a prolonged period of time, nothing nothing beneficial is happening. It's like my wife. You do it in the evening because you have to take care of your long, luxurious blonde hair. And there's something about that in the evening. I don't no, know what it is. You do it These in the morning. The mysteries it, associated with girls. If you are a real men. person, you do it in the morning. That's true. It's it's your it's like a coffee bath. When that hot water hits your body, it wakes up your blood cells. And we got it a really, nice little we got a nice little chair in our shower, and I'll just sit there, man. It's what? just like let the water hit me. I mean, uh, yeah, that's. So that's that's my usual routine, and then I barely make it up in time. I can't believe you have a life alert stand in your 
in your shower. Believe so it, baby. Weird. Believe it. I fall in and I can't get up. Do you have like the necklace with the little like life alert thing? Life alert. No, because I don't want anyone to save me from the water. <laughs> life alert. I've fallen, but I'm naked. So it's then, then I, I say goodbye to Luke. He goes to school. I hang out with Mackenzie until Jamie's back. Well, this morning, Jamie had to get up really early and go to a rink to give somebody an ice skating lesson. So I had to to take Luke and Mackenzie to Luke's school, you know, come back, hang out with Mackenzie. And so you know how, like, when you know you have to get up earlier than normal, like, your internal clock just, like, keeps waking you up because <laughs> like, you're afraid to oversleep? Yeah. So I was, like, basically awake an hour before I needed to get up. And I, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Yeah, My, I do not hey, work well. I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning. Yeah, but you're a morning person. Awake. You are a morning person. Not at 4 a.m. Hashtag 3 a.m. Right? With the time change, like, that hurt. But my mind was like, dude, you got to get in the car and drive the kids from Orange County to San Diego County this morning. I wondered how you were going to do that. I just think that's crazy. It is crazy, dude. But remember, I did this when I church planted. Like this is nothing. Why don't you just, just go like stay direction. live in a hotel? That's what I would do if I were you guys. I would live in a hotel for the next three months. That's what rich people do. I'm not a rich people. You've been living in a, a rental house. I know, but you know what the the cool thing is. Do you guys just kick is, yourself now for for leaving? <laughs> Are you guys like wishing you had you had just stayed yeah, there? Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, oh, there, there's many things I wish right now. Hey, guys, welcome to the podcast today. Let me let me just start off. I got an, I so I have to tell you this. Like, you know how like we always do our correspondence thing. If you're new, let me explain something. First off, welcome, Namaste, new listener. Um, but let me explain something to you. So I get this email, and it says, "Hey, Peyton, uh, really good. I, I enjoyed your podcast. I listened to the one on." Putting the E in church planning, which I think was the funniest title in the world because there's no E in church planning. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. <laughs> what, what was that one about? I didn't either. I didn't even know. Like, I'm thinking, which one was that? You know, we've been doing this five years. We've got hundreds of these things. But he goes, it took you a while to get to actually the nitty gritty. But, you know, it was great. And I knew that he was a new listener. And so what was fantastic was I was like, man, this uh, like it just goes to show people are still stumbling across our podcast going, what in the heck is that? Like, when are these guys going to talk? If you're new here, the first half of the podcast is called Smack Talk. We do not take ourselves very seriously. During that time, I take myself incredibly seriously. But during the second half, we're going to take God the Bible and church planning very seriously. And that, you know, you know where I got that from was I heard once Charles Swindoll introduce RC Sproul at EV free of Fullerton. Ah, the good old days, the nineties and, uh, RC Sproul. He goes, let me tell you something. I've learned about RC. He doesn't take himself very seriously, but he takes God very seriously. And I thought that was the coolest compliment. And of course, RC starts strolling up to the pulpit, very pompous as Lower lip jutted out, his eyelids half closed, like he was a almost like a Pharisee. It's comical, but you know, I think about that with with church planners. That is the combination. 
you have to be able not to take yourself very seriously at all, but to take this whole thing, God, the sovereignty of God, the Holy Spirit, his power, um, evangelism, people's souls. It's this weird balance, but it was kind of like we were talking last week that you have to be able to laugh because you're dealing with life and death as a firefighter, as a, as a combat infantry soldier, as an RN. I mean, these are always you learn to blow off steam. So hopefully if you're a real church planner, you get the humor and you get the fact that, Hey, we're just real dudes, man. And, uh, kind of like Jesus said in Acts one instant witness. Just that Holy Spirit. Ain't nothing in the container that's special. It is treasures and jars of clay. So we'll get to the treasure, but for now, you're just stuck with the jar. You really like telling people that you are a firefighter, don't you? You know, it makes me sexier. You're like, you know what? I was a firefighter, you know, back in the day. I did say it on Facebook, but you got to admit, that may have been the first time I've ever said it on Facebook. Because the, the question was... I don't remember you on Facebook saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you go like this. You go, um, you go. Hey, uh, I actually didn't mention I was a firefighter. Just said, did I? I, I have no idea. I what, said RN and well, infantry soldier. But by you the did way, say firefighter. I was a firefighter. And by the way, I wouldn't be telling people I was a nurse if I were a dude. That's all I'm saying. But you know, you got to balance it out because other dudes become doctors cool. and women become <laughs> nurses. Yeah, unless you can send all your email to Peyton at churchplannermag.com. Well, back when I was on the farm milking cats as a male nurse, ah, meet the parents. Little shout out there. But <laughs> I'm so kidding. Exactly I'm so kidding about the the gender identification. I mean, Peyton always identified as a woman, so it's okay if he's a nurse. How how exactly did you milk the cats, Gaylord? <laughs> you really liked that movie, didn't you? That was a fantastic movie. Yeah, I saw Tomb Raider this last weekend. Not good, was it? No, it was pretty good. I mean, I was mean, it? It, it was it was decent. I didn't think anything was like. I haven't seen a really good movie in a long time, probably since like Wind River. But I'm looking forward to this weekend. This weekend, I think high hopes for Pacific Rim two. That's all I'm saying. High Man, hopes. I had the best. So I haven't seen Black Panther yet. Have you seen that? Yeah, to me it was all right. I don't understand why everyone's like, "Oh, it's so good." I'm like, "Dude, it's okay." Yeah, I can't wait, man. I love Black Panther. So I'm excited, but I have not seen it yet. So it might just be something on the calendar for us uh, this week. I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't good right. enough for a two-peat. What? I'm just saying it's, it's okay. Right. It's not. Look, I'm going to go see Pacific Rim. And I think you should come, too. I will come with you because I can guarantee you my <laughs> wife will not want to see that. Dude, it's sci-fi. Your wife's into sci-fi. She is, but you know what? She she couldn't get through the first one, I don't think. I barely got through it until I saw it. This is amazing. I saw the movie first time. was like, <laughs> did we see it in the theater together? No. I no. saw it first time. was like, that was stupid. Then, in, in fact, I laughed at it. I may not have seen it in the theater. I might have seen it in DVD. Then I go to your house, and I watch it in 3D. On my system. Holy different I'm telling experience. you, it's a good movie. Oh, my gosh. In 3D, <laughs> that thing's rad. That is one of the movies that you have to watch in 3D. Oh, my gosh. Here's you how bad been. The Last Walking Jedi Dead. was for Walking me. Dead. Did you watch The Walking Dead? I, I have the last 20 minutes to watch. I was watching that when you called this morning. That's why I was like, get off my phone. 
<laughs> Dude, I'm not ready to do the podcast. Because I almost called you at 9 last night, and I'm like, no, it's Walking Dead, Sacred Hour for Pete. I'll leave my alone. I, I usually don't watch live TV. <laughs> I wait. I wait until I can skip through the commercials. You rich people and your guns. What has guns got to do with it? I don't know. I just felt like saying that. Okay. But uh, I, here's how bad The Last Jedi was for me. It's so bad, I don't even care about the Solo movie. Han yeah. Solo. I just yep. don't care. I'm like the hope is that they're going to make it a another uh, uh, Rogue One, but to be honest, he kind of seems like a girly Han Solo. He seems kind of like a Metro Han Solo. I don't I, know if I can I get that. I just don't. I just don't care. I literally, yeah. I don't care. It's like they've ruined Star Wars so bad with that last movie. I they don't really care, did, brother. And here's the thing, and I know we differ on this. But here's how I feel. George Lucas, he can wreck Star Wars with the prequels if he wants to. He made it. Star Wars is George Lucas. He originated all of it. It all came out of his stinking brain. If he wants to wreck the franchise, he can. He is the creator. It's kind of like God in his universe. God can do whatever he wants because he made it. Lucas the same, but when Disney comes along, when somebody else decides to wreck the franchise, it's not cool anymore. But hey, at least they saved the animals for like five minutes. Oh, dude, like those horses, man. Forget I about the too. forget about the poor kids that are in slavery. You freed yeah. the animals. Now it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, give me a minute. Wait, such a, minute. a bad movie. Like, here's how it bad it is. So bad. It came out on what is it? Digital this last week, and I'm like, no, Barry Waters is listening. I'm like, I don't Barry care. Waters, Barry Waters will want me to say that Dude, on second viewing, I had a slight change of heart. He's from Wales. No one cares what he thinks. He's Barry. He's Barry on top the of it. Only good decision Barry has made. Has been to ask Melissa to marry him. And she, unfortunately, made a very unwise decision. And so now we're questioning her. Barry's best decision, Melissa's worst decision. And I mean that with such affection. I love both of them to bits. But, Barry, listen, the the Star Wars movies are terrible. Barry, Barry is a church planter that's running a church plant out of a coffee shop in Wales. I baptize him. I led him to the faith. I've, I've trained him. I've discipled him. But in all of these things, Barry, you've gone to the dark side if you like the new Star Wars. Yeah, it's bad. You're still good in you, Barry. I can feel it. I don't think so. <laughs> I feel nothing. There is no hope for me. Hey, what is today's topic for those who are like, hey, I wonder if this one's even worth sticking around for? What's today's well, topic? Well, it's funny you say that because um, surprisingly, are the joy of doing funerals. Did pretty well last week, but uh, you know, here's the week, thing: you judge if it does pretty well based on how many kudos you get, and that's not a good way to judge if a good if it's a good podcast or not. I'm all just I saying. Have, don't take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. That's how you define it. Oh, look, I got an email. Oh, I got a I got a, a Facebook high five. You know, and it's like eh. well, it got shared a lot on social media. So I was like, hey, people are appreciate. That's all I know. I don't watch it metrics, man. That involves math and numbers. I won't touch that. Uh, apparently. So here's that's why I need you, Pete. 
That's why you complete me. Um, here, here's the topic today. Today's, do we have any sound effects? I, it's been awfully silent on that front. <laughs> Dude, it's too, I'm too tired to <laughs> concentrate on sound effects. What are you talking about? All right, buddy. This is like a B, a B rated podcast today, right? You don't get our A game. You get our B rated. So what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about communion and we're not talking about communion like communion. Let's talk about it. We're going to talk about communion. Who can take it? Is the communion table open or is it closed? Can non-believers take it? And I think if you stick around and listen to it, I think we're going to maybe challenge some assumptions that you have about communion. There is a reason for this. Um, I'll, I'll give the backstory when we actually get into it. But the rabbit hole goes deep and it's connected to many other things in your church plant. How are you going to deal with communion? Non-believers come. Are they going to be allowed to take it? If so, why? If not, why not? And what's your justification and how are you going to handle it? So that's what I want to talk about today. I got a, I got a bad feeling about this. He wasn't sure. He had to hold on for a second. Well, I, I, see, it's so, I hit the wrong button. I was like, so I was just hitting basically whatever. I was looking at what I wanted to play, but it was like, that's not where my finger is. So that, this is the sound effect that's getting played. Here's the one I meant to hit. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? <laughs> I somehow feel that's strangely appropriate for this talk on communion. Uh, you know, it's so funny, man, because everything that you put was... You know, yeah, I, I felt like I got a bad feeling. All of it fit in a weird way. Because I know where we're going today. I, I'm i glad someone does. I'm glad someone does. <laughs> I, I don't Monkeys th- are running the zoo, pal. I don't have, uh, I don't think I have any good stories from this last week. No. I don't. I don't. No, I mean, you don't. I can't. You don't, Pete. I can't think of anything special that I did. I mean,. I don't know. Was it Tuesday I did shoot night? Shoot night was fun. That was great. AR training was awesome. Did I talk to you about AR training? No. That was hot. <laughs> I don't. Because I don't care. <laughs> you were the one telling me, hey, I'm moving to Huntington Beach. We can go to the range. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with that. Brandon Brooks sent me a funny thing. It was a... um some kind of uh, – it was a, a King David it, it sling. Did he say that to you? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, the original. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You know, the original. Yeah, it was the original NRA. Oh. Or, or biblical NRA is what he called it. It was a slingshot. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. So funny. I thought, I thought the meme I sent you with the two eyeballs and it said normal eye. Eye with glaucoma. And it was an eye with a glock inside of it. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's what you have right now. I do. It's it's like when Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says, if your eye is filled with a glock, you know, everything else will be glaucoma. That I, that is how Pete sees everything through the range of through the lens of guns now. Well, I, actually I'm I'm kinda I think it's finally working its way through my system. That's about the schedule because I think we were on a three month cycle on the <laughs> podcast with the charger 
and before that, probably a three-month cycle on underwear. So that's about right. We're, we're, we're getting to the end of the three-month cycle now. I'm figuring you out. I'm about, I'm about done and ready to move on yeah. to the next thing to have OCD yep. about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Next one's going to be sofa cushions. Well, what's you know, funny I've been is. i a lot about sofa cushions. These ones are plump and firm. I, I, I'm going to take a picture for you. <laughs> I'm going to put the caption on it. How many guns I had prior to the uh, November church shooting and then post and it's just going to be like night and day. A buddy of mine gave me a $500 gift card to uh Turner's outdoorsman. And I was, and I like held on to it for almost a month before I, I used it. I just used it. I just picked up another two guns, but I'm just saying that's rad, man. Yeah. Well, I should have given it to you so you could have gotten your gun. And then we could have been well, friends on a whole nother level. Buy me a gun before we're done. That's all. That's all I say is buy me. I don't have one and I feel vulnerable now because you have like 269 of them. <laughs> I don't have any. So it's not a fair fight now. It's like, it was never a fair fight before. You know, we all, I, even though I have short man syndrome, I talk about how, you know, I'm small and scrappy. We know you'd kill me. Right. So. I mean, now I feel even more vulnerable. And even today, like, you're like, hey, come over and, you know, take Wayne's desk and sit sit in Wayne's world and, you know, be my little buddy. And I'm like, Ugh. see, now I feel more vulnerable because I know that, like, you got all these guns. You can turn them on me and anybody. I'm defenseless. Yeah. Everyone is defenseless. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the Terminator. Walk, do, 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 scanning everybody now and you're walking around. Yeah, my wife always goes, why do you wear a gun around the house? I'm like, hey, because you never know. <laughs> so rad. <laughs> you just, you never know. I still think that one meme you, is so funny where it's like. the room? Like, do you do rolls behind the sofa and stuff? Like little. I, I kid you not. Okay, Tuesday night, I was at what they call shoot night. That's where you do uh, training that you can't normally do at the at the range, at an indoor range, that is. And um, this one guy, this guy next to me is like. He he's one of the best shots I've seen. Like every shot, dude, that guy is in the the ten mark. He's just center target. And so I'm like talking to him, and I'm like, "Hey, where'd you learn how to shoot?" And he's like, "The Boy Scouts." <laughs> he's like 80 years old. I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, that's where I first learned to shoot." I'm like, "They don't have Boy Scouts like that anymore." That's all I'm saying. Oh, so I was like calling him Boy joke. Scout the rest of the day. But he goes, "No, nah, here's what you do." He goes, you just start, uh, <laughs> I kid you not. He goes, you just start crawling all over your house and you know, you shoot like an outlet and you, that's how you get really good. You start, oh, just, <laughs> I'm like, he's could, shooting his electrical outlets, but he's not using ammo. He's just dry fire, right? And I'm like, Oh, could you imagine my kids if they see their dad like crawling over the sofa <laughs> and shooting the outlet? Hey, stuff? no joke now. That's what. <laughs> That's what Nerf guns are for in the Jones house, man. Oh, the lights yeah. go out. Oh, my wife. We bought we bought four laser tags from Costco the other day. What? That was fun. I got the wife in on that one, man. All of okay. us were just so. Next Saturday, I've got a day. I think it's next Saturday. Anyways, wife has a, a wedding shower to go to, bridal shower, and she's like, "You got the kids." And I immediately think, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Now that now that we're gonna be neighbors um for, for, for the next few months, so that might just be something we need to do. Let's shoot each other's kids in the eyes with nerf darts. How about that meme that says, If I have ten guns and the gun grabbers come and take five, how many do I have left? Sixty eight. <laughs> I kinda lied about the number ten. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Yes, I understand that one. That's so funny. Yeah, that is so funny. I still want my ninja weapons. That's all I'm saying, Just- dude. I think I saw that that place where you like shoot Nerf arrows at each other again. I think I saw oh, it. Come on, I know, right? We should do it. We should take the kids there. Oh, oh. no, we shouldn't. Why? Well, now we gotta watch them. I just want to shoot people <laughs> with nerf arrows. Watch them. <laughs> no, we don't. What What are you talking this about? There's been, There's adults this there. Parenting lessons from Peyton and Pete. <laughs> but here's right, the real question: move on to the next part of our show, are we on the same team or not? I think that's a more important question. Oh, dude, after watching you, when you well, you guys got to understand is Pete posts me all the pictures like, check out how awesome I shoot. So he sends me all these like target. I, I, we're on the same team. Let's just put it that way. We're definitely on the same team. Oh, dude. That's so funny, man. Because uh, that's what happened when I was there with the Boy Scout guy, right? I, I lean over to the guy next to me and I go, dude, look at that guy's groupings. Because, you know, the 80-year-old Boy Scout has got, like, groupings like you can't believe. And the guy just goes, I want him on my team. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, are you saying it's time to move on to the uh, the actual topic? Yeah. Every time it gets on guns, I get uncomfortable. It's just I, part of I wasn't the one taking it to guns today. You took it to <laughs> guns. It. I know. It's working out of your system. I was just testing. I was just testing to see, you know, how far are we? How far are we? And we're, we're a little further, but. Hey, hey, I, how about this one? How about this one? See, now you brought it up. How about this one? <laughs> <laughs> how about that picture I sent you? Of uh, my interview with the sheriff for my concealed carry weapons permit. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. Pete sends me this picture of him, like, with his hand on the, the, the Bible, like he's ready to. I'm wearing a three piece suit, and it's literally the biggest Bible we got in the house. It's a Thomas Kincaid Bible. <laughs> and I'm like holding it, and I'm like, okay, I got to go for my interview with the sheriff. Well, what was funny is you're like, hey, when I got there, everyone was wearing suits. To, to apply, he goes, but to pick up their permits, everyone was like in shorts and flip-flops. It was. It was hilarious. <laughs> everyone who had the interview, because you get in Orange County where we live, you have to meet with the sheriff. They interview you. And then you've got to physically come pick it up. They don't mail you the permit. So everyone who's waiting for their interview suits. Everyone who's there to pick it up, shorts, flip-flops, jeans. It's like, okay, you guys have already issued it. Give me my permit. It was really funny. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Well, hey. So um, we uh, we got to get into this topic today. Okay, it's a good one. Here we go. I hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Regal Regal Church Cinema Theater Church. I feel like there should be new age music behind me. <laughs> Regal Theater Cinema Church. So hey guys, um, if you want to meet in your church. Uh, and, and you're like, hey, I don't got a place to meet, community center, parks, whatever. It's not our style, school, not our style. We want to go into the heart of traffic where people are going to be. Um, consider Regal Cinemas. They've got a team of four church planners that will meet with you. Are you clapping at your dog? No, no. Are you breaking my con- – oh, okay. No. I heard, it, I heard it re-snapping. Like, was that like a cool, like, daddy-o, like a beatnik thing? They were my gun yeah. magnets. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> It hasn't worked out as much as you think, pal. Well, hey, get in touch with them. They got a team of four former church planners that understand church planning that'll walk you through and they'll get you hooked up to meet in a cinema on Sunday mornings. You can talk to them over and get in touch with them over at 
corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater dash church. Remember when you spell theaters, T-H-E-A-T-R-E dash church. Again, that's corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater dash church. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Okay, so let's talk about this, shall we? Here's the deal. So I was on uh, social media, um, which I hate, by the way, for for this very reason, is you can't really have a a conversation or a topic that you can really get into, particularly if somebody wants to debate you. You know, you've got however many characters you, you, you can't really unpack. So here's what happened. Somebody posted. That's Twitter. Right. That was Twitter. And that and that's where it was, by the way. The dying, so, the dying social media. Thankfully, I hate that thing. So, anyways, the guy goes, and Facebook's not much better. Oh no, By it's the not. Way, if people troll me, or even you know, and I don't think this guy was was trolling. Um, I actually think he was he was honestly saying, "Hey, I disagree," and this and that. But I don't tend to get into big debates there. I just think like this isn't really the platform to have a meaningful conversation. And so I'll sometimes back off, you know, um, just because it's not, it's not like, you know, I think sometimes for people, they're like, ha I won. And for me, I'm like, yeah, this just isn't the place to do it. Because if I really answer this and draw this out, it looks like we're both spazzes, right? Because we've spent however many minutes, you know, doing 30 interactions mm-hmm. to talk about something that would be a quick phone call. So I tend to back off. So, I backed off and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just deal with this on the podcast and then I can reference. And and here's the case for it. So here's the backstory. Someone posted a quote from Reaching the Unreached that basically said, in church planning, our approach has to be belonging, then belief, then behavior. And so this is kind of a a deeper conversation. Um, Always we've been taught that belief uh, has to come first, then belonging to a community, and then our behavior gets modified or changes. And um, so always, you know, you hold unbelievers at a distance, you know, because you say you you can't be a part of the faith community because you don't believe. So, and the, the, there's, to a certain degree, there's some sense in that. And so what happened was um, somebody posted that, and then one of his friends said, so-and-so, do you really believe this? Because what happens is people misunderstand, and they think what you're really saying is you can belong theologically to the body of Christ before you believe. Well, that's not what I was saying, nor is that where I'm going, nor is that what I'm stating. What I'm stating is the faith community itself can embrace people before they believe, and in fact, I believe, should And needs to if they're going to see people converted. So, in other words, the faith community, the church that I'm planting, ought to bend over backwards to embrace lost people before they believe. And because we've got this thing, like, in all these gates, by the way, where we're like, well, this is for believers, and this isn't for believers, and this and that. um, And some of it I would challenge. I would challenge many of our traditions within the church and say, actually, you can't tell non-believers that they can't do that. So, for example, in, in certain circles, they would say, well, you know, you, your prayers are meaningless because you don't have faith. You're not regenerate. Or they would say, for you to sing worship on a Sunday morning is an empty exercise 
if you're not regenerate. It means nothing. Well, first off, the Bible never says that. It says you can't save yourself by your works. I mean, you're not earning your way to heaven. But we got this guy named Cornelius, who the Bible says quite clearly in Acts that he was doing good and giving to the local synagogue. And my mentor, who was a heavily reformed guy, said, he titled his message on this, The Man Who Got God's Attention. In other words, God reveals himself to Cornelius, reveals himself, and it would appear in response to Cornelius searching his way. Now, theologically, you'd say probably God was moving on his heart, and he was fumbling his way, and then he appears. But it doesn't matter. The point was, I was not making a theological point about people can be as as Corinthians says, baptized into the body by the Holy Spirit before they believe. That's not what I was saying. You follow me so far? I do. So he says, he comes in and says, you know, this. And I said, well, in fact, I should pull it up, really. Um, Is this going to be like the episode where you're like, hey, I put some great stuff out on Twitter about Exponential, but I can't find my Twitter account right now. <laughs> what is What is playing in the background? Is that you? No. I'm hearing, like, some new age music or something. Yeah, that's not me. Come on. What in the heck was that? <laughs> oh, it was a movie playing. on. I opened Twitter, and it started playing a movie <laughs> I was watching on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it. And that guy's still talking in the background, so it's making me uncomfortable. Never mind. So I, I go on to say, well, hey, look, man, it's 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 really the kind of thing where um, it, it, he says, for example, he says, well, that uh, that has to get really uncomfortable at during communion because I made the point. I said, look, baptism is is the gateway like that's the gateway into the faith community. So like in Refuge Long Beach, right, like we wouldn't have taken someone very seriously if they said i've had an encounter with jesus or you know i believe or whatever if the next step was not for them to get baptized so when people get saved i talk to them and say oh that's that's great that you put your faith in christ you know jesus says that you need to get baptized that simba and i walk them through and that's how we dealt with people from the homosexual community uh if they really wanted to follow jesus there would be a lifestyle change we call it repentance and so when people read the section of Reaching the Reach where I talk about the uh, people from alternative lifestyles, I would say, well, you know, we don't do altar calls and sinners' prayers because to me, I'm not against them. I mean, Billy Graham, who just passed, you know, he, he built his whole ministry on altar calls. I'm not against them. But when you're up close and personal with people from the LGBT community, you have to really be biblical in how you deal with People coming to faith. So I would not take it seriously if someone said, Hey, I want to follow Jesus, just like Jesus did. He was like, Great, go sell every, go sell all your possessions and then come follow me. Right? Like Jesus kind of put it like, Hey, if you're willing to, to invest everything, right? If you're willing to kind of like he says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a man. He finds a pearl of great price. He goes, sells everything he has. Like, Bonhoeffer, when Jesus bids a man come follow me, he bids him come and die. Like, I'm hardcore on salvation. So I'm, I'm probably more hardcore than people in, in most churches. So I would be like, you know, like when Peter, they say, hey, what must we do to be saved? 
during Pentecost. And Peter says, believe and be baptized. I don't believe in baptismal regeneration. I don't believe that baptism saves you. But what Peter was doing there is he was using baptism as the way that we use the sinner's prayer. So, for example, what you would do is you'd be like, hey, uh, you know, and I'm saying you like the average uh, Christian church nowadays goes, repeat this prayer after me at the end of the service. Mm -hmm. And they say the magic prayer. And that's the rite of passage. And now you're a part of the family of God. Woohoo! You know, well, I never see that in the Bible. What I see Peter saying is believe and be baptized, like publicly identify with Jesus through baptism. Declare before the world that you're repenting of your old way of life and starting a new way. Like to me, that's real conversion is when you're ready to come to that step. So in Refuge Long Beach, we would tell people, we don't take it that seriously. Like we'll rejoice if someone says, hey, I've just believed you. We'll rejoice. But at the same time, I taught my leadership team, don't take it that seriously until they're ready to get baptized. Because there's kind of something that holds people off from getting baptized if, like, if they're not serious. They mm. won't do it. I, it's this weird thing. Like, they're too scared to get baptized. And when you find people are like, I'm ready to get baptized, boom, there's a joy. There's this willing. And I've found in my ministry that it is very rare that I baptize somebody who doesn't continue to follow Jesus. Right? And, and that's if I've really explained baptism to them. So to me, what I had to explain, and I, I tried to explain this on the thing, is the actual acceptance into the community, into the faith community for us, if you want to get all theological about it, is for us, it's baptism. Then we take you serious. Then we consider you like a member of that church. So when we have a members meeting, which we did, if you remember, we would have members meetings, um, we'd say, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've been baptized, this meeting's for you. If you haven't been baptized, then this meeting's not for you. And that's how we would do it. We would just try to keep it as biblical as we possibly could. And like I said, with LGBT uh, people, when they would come, that was the cutoff. We, we knew people were serious when they were ready to get baptized. You with me so far? Yeah, I don't remember you doing that, though. I'm, I must not have been paying attention. No. You weren't. You never paid attention. To me. That's probably it was just our annual meeting. We would have an annual meeting, and we would say, you know, as long as you believe, you're following Jesus, and and you've been baptized, and that was it. That was we would say we don't have membership in the church, but this is a meeting only for Christians. <clears throat> so that was the only time, and that's where we talk about like our way forward. We would talk about giving. We talk about you know, hey, you know, how we're going to reach a community. That'd be our, our like our vision meeting is what we call them. So anyway, so in, in the tweet, Twitter feed, the guy said, well, you know, um, that must get awkward at communion, right? Because what he, what he was saying is if you allow people to join the, 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 the community of believers, you know, like before they've, um, been baptized. In other words, you say they belong before they believe. Like we, we allow them to do everything. It's just that one meeting, vision meeting. But everything else, he said, well, that must get kind of awkward at communion. And he was trying to call, you know, kind of trap me or, or catch me out. Um, so that I go, oh, actually, you've thrown a real wrench in the gears of my theology. Well, my response to him was, why would it be awkward when the communion table's not closed to non-believers? And then he's like, what? You know, like started thrown out. And I said, show me in the scripture 
not tradition, but show me in the scripture where it says that believers cannot take communion. And of course, right away, everybody, I will, I will guarantee you, we all have been told all our Christianity that the communion table is closed to non-believers. And we'll all go back to 1 Corinthians 11, right? Because nowhere in the Gospels does it say it's not for non-believers. Nowhere in the New Testament, I would maintain, including the verse we jump to, 1 Corinthians 11, does it ever say that non-believers can't take communion? And so uh, for this guy, um, he started kind of laying out, you know, hey, uh, well, you know, it, it, they can't remember Jesus. You know, uh, it says do this in remembrance of me. And so he started just giving interpretations of things that were like assumptions or interpretations. But I said, you know what? Actually, anyone can remember what Jesus did. You don't have to be a, uh, a non-believer, um, or a believer to, to remember. I mean, when I preach the gospel, I'm asking people to remember what Jesus did and then believe upon it, right? It's the preaching of that gospel. And I, and I cited that how Harris, who was, uh, one of the, the leaders in the Welsh Methodist movement under, uh, Wesley and George Whitfield, he actually got saved at the communion table and believed, Hey, if you want a visible demonstration of the gospel, it's communion. And so you should allow non-believers to uh, partake in communion because it might be the very thing. It's the clearest gospel presentation we have pretty much in the church is communion. It itself is a sermon in action. So anyways, um, what what I kind of want to do, I know we're a little bit late in this because we screwed around a lot today, but um, is to go to 1 Corinthians 11. And just kind of examine that a little bit and see. Because here's the thing, guys. One of the things I brought up was, look, if you would, there's nothing that we keep non-believers from. There's like literally nothing. Never tells them that they can't worship. I would tell non-believers, God deserves your praise and you need to give it to him. Right? Like non-believers in in the judgment are going to fall on their knees and worship. They're going to say, you know, they're going to fall to their knees and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. So they're never told not to worship. That is man's rightful place. I would not tell them to pray. Jesus said, if you pray like a hypocrite, which I would say most religious people are guilty of, your prayers aren't heard. But if a non-believer prays to God and says, you know, here's a guy just, his life's falling apart. He doesn't understand Jesus, doesn't know the gospel. You going to tell that guy not to pray? Or are you going to say to that guy, hey, you ask God or even a higher power. So many people come to faith. Because they start with a higher power. They don't know what they believe, but they pray to whoever it is out there. Boom. You can tell me not that, that non-believers can't do that. That's terrifying to me that someone would feel they have a theological right to tell non-believers not to pray. Like Jesus never did that. Jesus got mad in the temple because he said, this house was meant to be a house of prayer for all nations, not just the Jews, for everybody, even pagans. That's it. That, that all other nations were pagans. This house was to be a house of prayer for all nations, and you have made it in to a den of thieves. And what were they doing? They were keeping people from worshiping. They had all these barriers. Oh, you don't have temple money. Oh, you, you don't have the right kind of sacrifice. And Jesus, he threw over all those tables and said, get these out of here, right? 
Get these. This is meant to be an open house of prayer for all nations. Boom. Right. So when we look at the first Corinthians, so I was just saying, look, are you you mean to tell me that there's all these things? And we've all heard in in church where the, the pastor goes up there and he goes, now, if you don't. And I used to do this like I'm not I'm not bagging on people who do this. I believe that people's hearts in the right place. I believe that they that their understanding of scripture is such that they believe that I can't tell a non-believer that he can come to the communion table. And you know why you believe that? Because that's what you've been told. And people have stood up week after week and told you every time you've taken communion that it's not for believers. Just let it pass by. It's not for you. But if you want to receive Jesus, I used to do it that way. Well, here's the other thing, too. How many non-believers are going to let it pass by? You're in the middle of a church service. And I'm really going to raise my hand and go, yeah, I don't believe what you guys, you guys, woo, you almost got me there. I mean, right. of course they're going to take it and they're going to be right. like, yeah, I'm cheating, but come on, man. I'm in the middle of a church service. All these people all around me. <laughs> I don't want to be the weird one, the awkward man out. What know? if they're loaded? What if they're packing heat? I can't let them know. I mean, well, yeah. come on. Absolutely. No, you're right. Human nature is such that people aren't going to let that happen. But this is a Catholic thing. Like the irony is to a reform guy, you know, it's funny because the guy I was speaking to is reform. And I, you know, it's like, you can't say to him like, dude, look, I've got a domain theology. Like, like I've read all those, you know, you're, you're quoting things I read like 20 something years ago, cover to cover. And I know that stuff. And this sounds really arrogant. So you can't say that stuff, but it's like, dude, I, I don't want to know what Calvin said. I don't want to know what your tradition says. I don't want to, have you regurgitate what you've heard? I want it. And, and that's why he clearly said, let me know from scripture. Give me a scripture. And he couldn't. And what he kept doing was taking scriptures that had nothing to do with that and putting a spin on them. So let's just read the passage. And I'll tell you guys, as you read this, hear it with new ears, because it doesn't have to do with non-believers, right? And I'll kind of explain it here. <clears throat> he says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So he's saying to him, you're coming together and you're dividing. You're actually dividing among yourselves. And you're not, it's no longer the Lord's Supper that you're eating. And he goes on to say, for when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate the poor who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul's angry. He's emphatically, I mean, he's saying things like, what? Like, he's astounded. And what's happening here in context is they're not eating together. And you'll see this as you read the next part, that people were coming together in little groups, little cliques, and they're eating the communion alone before everyone else has gotten there. Right? This is the problem. This is what's happening. That's what he's just, he says, hey, if you want to eat, Eat at home first if you're hungry, right? Don't come here and wolf down all the food. 
So he goes on, he says, for I received from the Lord that I also delivered you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup that is the new covenant in my blood. Do not or do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So far, there's not been a single mention of nonbelievers being able to eat or drink. In fact, why wouldn't I want a nonbeliever to to proclaim the death of Jesus? Why not? I want him to, to proclaim his glory. Even the wrath of man shall praise you, the psalmist says. Verse 27. So here comes the instruction. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the person. Now, unworthy manner is the key here. What is the unworthy manner? What he's been talking about before, where they come together and they eat in cliques and don't wait for one another. And now we'll see the unworthy manner does not mean without faith. Okay? It doesn't mean non-believers. It never says that in this whole passage. So our little instruction on a Sunday morning during communion is completely made up and really based on Catholicism, which puts a bar at communion, which you have to be confirmed before you take communion. So here we go. He goes on and says, um, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, He eats and drinks judgment on himself. So the body here is the body of believers. It's not the body of Jesus Christ, right? Sometimes you hear people say that. No, he's talking about the body. If you don't recognize the body, that you're all of one, you eat and drink judgment on self. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we're judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Verse 33, so then, my brothers, here's the final instruction about it. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things I will give direction when I come. So reading this in context, that's it. That's everything on communion right there. What was the problem? Well, look at the final instruction. When you come together, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. That is the unworthy manner that the poor people, when they had broken off into factions, there were some, remember, they had they had splits and factions. This is 1 Corinthians. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. And he says, you're all carnal, right? There's factions. There's factions we see in the book of Corinthians based on who they think they follow. There's factions based on how they worship. There's factions based on poor versus rich. And he brings it up and says, if you come together and you don't wait for the poor who have nothing, you've humiliated them. And when he says you haven't discerned the body, he's talking about this whole body, right? You see, when you take communion, it's, it's an idea that this is the body. We are the body and we are taking the body of Christ into ourselves and we are one, right? So that whole idea, it's meant to bring unity. And they were using it for disunity. That's why Paul brings up the factions at the very beginning of it. There were cliques and factions. So taking it in an unworthy manner, by the way, is something believers were doing. And the guy brought up, he said, you know, and, and, and really, you know, they're all, 
uh, under, you know, they have faith in Jesus. And therefore, because they have faith in Jesus, they're covered by the blood. And I said, and yet they were dropping like flies. According to Paul, they were dying. Here you're saying they were covered under the grace of God. But if I read the passage here, believers are dying. Not non-believers, because they took it in an unworthy manner. Believers are dying and are sick. Now, that's a heavy passage, right? They may have been covered by the blood, but God was still killing them. That's crazy, right? So everything he was saying was missing the mark from what the passage is actually talking about. So when I come to that passage, I don't see a thing in there about non-believers. In fact, if you want to talk about non-believers at communion, let's go back to the Last Supper itself. Let's just think about that for a second. <laughs> Who was there? Yep. Judas. What did Jesus do? He literally took the bread, dipped it in the cup, and handed it to Judas. And he goes, this is how you'll know my betrayer. Not only was there a non-believer there who was a part of the original Last Supper that Jesus said, repeat this, but Jesus actively hands him the communion and gives it to him. Like, you know, I got to scratch my head like Lieutenant Colombo here and say, hey, there's something I don't understand. So communion, when when we gave communion, and we did it on homes every single every week we did it. And if I would go back and do Refuge Long Beach again, I would do communion every Sunday as well. I didn't do it because at that time, even though I believe this, at that time, Sunday was just pure outreach. Now I think I'd go back and say, you know what, because it's outreach, I think I will do communion because of what I said about Hal Harris. But, you know, that's that's more because I'm looking these days at more of an interactive worship experience that's not just sing a bunch of songs and then have the sermon. Uh, we made the message part interactive, but I'm kind of on this weird little quest to see how does the actual worship part become interactive? Like one is a meet and greet. Pete's favorite. No, I'm teasing. I, I'm not. In. There was a survey done this week, Pete, that said 85% of people surveyed hate the meet and greet, by the way. Do you know that 84% of all statistics are made up? Mm-hmm. But I read this on a reputable source, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I read it on a meme. It has to be true. Absolutely. So, you know, so for me, you know, there is, yes, there is a cutoff. But what I'm talking about is approach to non-believers, belonging. You see, when you look at the uh, the early church, they're giving to the poor. They're doing all these things. They're inviting people in. There's nothing in here that says that non-believers cannot be there, right? Non-believers were in their worship meetings. We know that because Paul, and you just think like they were all going to eat and tell the non-believers, oh, you know what? You don't have faith because let's look back at communion for a second. When they took communion, it was a meal. And what Paul's saying is, hey, if you guys can't control yourself and scarf up all the food, eat at home first. Like, they were eating a meal together, right? It wasn't just the little wafer. He was saying, look, there's food there. The poor are coming. They really need that food. Wait for them. And here's the deal. With the communion itself, can you imagine that you as a, what a bunch of jerks. It doesn't in any way say, hey, Christ died for you too. Come be a part of this. How does it in any way communicate what the cross is all about to say, oh, by the way, you can't have any of this. 
Is that in anywhere the message of the gospel or the message of the cross? Like, sorry if I get a little passionate about it. And that's why on Twitter, I'm like, you know what? I'm just, hey, this has been a fun conversation, but uh, I just shut it down. But I'll probably post this now in response because it is important. It is the gospel. And, and here's my final thing that I would say about this. If the communion table is open to non-believers, if it's not closed, how dare we tell non-believers? How dare we tell non-believers? I understand the concern that if it's closed and we make it open, are we asking people to drink judgment on themselves? Reread 1 Corinthians 11. Read that passage and honestly tell me. If in context, you think that's what Paul was saying in any way, it's very clear what he's talking about when you spend a little time with the text. Very clear. And it's not anything to do with non-believers taking communion. has to do with a few people showing up early, eating it all, and leaving nothing for anyone else. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is in context. So that passage doesn't apply. So here's my question. This is why I asked the guy, find for me scripture that tells me it's closed. Because if there's not, then I have been nullifying the commands of God, like Jesus said to the Pharisees, for the sake of my tradition. And that's why he says, not only do you yourselves not enter, and I, I wouldn't apply that to the, <laughs> to people that, but he says, but you make it difficult for others to enter either. You put stumbling blocks in their way. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who's putting stumbling blocks in the way of non-believers, who the very means of grace that might bring them to faith could be the communion table, the Lord's Supper. That might be the thing that brings them. Because how Harris, when he was kneeling, getting ready to receive communion, the Holy Spirit brought before him. The, the preacher said, if you're not fit to take communion this morning, you're not fit to, to, to die. And in fact, you're not fit to live. Those were his exact words. And the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell on this guy who was a womanizer, he was a drunkard, he was all these other things. And he's at the bar, hung over, you know, getting ready to take communion in the Church of England. And he comes under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Right there, right then, surrenders to Jesus. Right? Just right there. At the, he said that he, he slept during most of the sermons because he was hung over. But at that bar, kneeling down on his knees in a church of England, a church of Wales, little chapel, comes to faith because of one thing at the Lord's table. I'm just saying, I don't want to be that guy that, that bars people and puts stumbling and says, you can't have this. Because that would be the only thing in the church. We allow people to worship. We even encourage them to pray. When you say, let me pray for you, you're actually encouraging them to pray right then. Why would you not encourage them to come and proclaim the death of the Lord? So that's all I got to say about that. You didn't get to talk at all, Pete. Are you done? I'm pretty much done. Are okay. you back? All right. All right. All right. I got to turn off Facebook now. All right. Let's go. All right. <laughs> I'm playing. Hey, Pete. You know, when when you're serving communion, no, I better keep that. That's not a good segue. Um, <laughs> there are still holy things. and It is a sacrament after all. So, Pete. With uh, all your pastoring that you do and going to the gun range as you do and driving your charger around in your Star Wars underwear, that doesn't leave a lot of time for other things. How do you get all your accounting and bookkeeping done? 
Well, um, I usually assign it to someone in uh, my church. Uh, the problem is, is volunteers, man, I tell you. <laughs> I, I speak for experience, let me tell you. <laughs> Let's just say there are some things best left hired out. And so we use SimplifyChurch.com. Mm, very wise, very wise. Hey, Pete, how, how do I get a hold of the people at SimplifyChurch.com? Well, if you need help with, let's say, payroll, uh, tax receipts, workman's comp, uh, your website, all that stuff, you head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and you reach out for Josh Henry. So what I hear you saying is if I want to reach the people at SimplifyChurch.com, I go to SimplifyChurch.com. I would say you want to go to SimplifyChurch.com. Wow. Thanks, Pete. And there's no E on the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. All right. Well, guys, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, like it, share it, leave us a comment. We'll read it. If it's bad, we'll embarrass you. If uh, it's good, we'll probably name our next baby after you, right? Because we're not having any more babies. So leave us a good comment on Facebook that helps other people see this incredible podcast and get the best of Smack Talk. You can check us out as well over at churchplannermag.com. Get all the info on the magazine that uh, this originally came out of. We respond out of a magazine. You can check that out as well. But thanks for joining us today. And this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I used to have more friends before I got into church planting. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 